The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Welcome to church, guys. It's good to, good to see all your pretty faces this morning. Um, I got the opportunity to preach this morning. We have a, a, a shorter service. It is school holidays, and for us normal people, that doesn't mean a lot. But when, you know, there's 70% of the church or so were teachers, uh, they get to enjoy some of their 73 weeks off that they get. And so... Um, Hence the atmosphere today, which is, which is cool. Uh, so over the next two weeks, while we don't have life kids, we don't have those kind of things, we're doing two short weeks, and we're kind of calling these encounters with Jesus. As we look at two stories where people encountered Jesus as he did ministry here on earth. And so this morning, I get to preach one of my favorite passages, uh, passages from John 9, where Jesus heals this man who was born blind. And it's actually a really bizarre story. He heals him in a really strange way. Uh, Jesus isn't really the main character in this. The blind man's kind of the main character. And it's really just a whole bunch of interrogations as people are asking the question, like, how can this man now see? And really, as we, as we walk through this, I don't have three points to this sermon. I don't, they don't all start with the same letter. I'm not like that. And so this morning, I actually, what I want to do is just to, to read it together. We're just going to walk through it bit by bit and just trust that God's word will speak to us. I'm going to pull out a few things that I think are interesting and cool. Uh, but apart from that, we're just going to, yeah, we're just going to read it. And, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun because the blind man, you get to see some of his personality come out here. And it's, he's quite witty. He gets pretty frustrated at the Pharisees and the Jews. And, and you'll see that as we go. But why don't I pray and then we'll get into it. Uh, Lord, thank you that you are with us this morning by your spirit. I just pray as we open your word this morning that you will do what you do best as your spirit moves and encounters us, that our eyes might be open this morning to see what you have for us and that we might see in your word your goodness and your grace and that we might see you clearly this morning. Thank you for all that you do and all that you have done for us through your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Uh, So I have titled my sermon this morning, I'm Not Blind, You're Blind. Uh, for no other reason than I just wanted a title, and Kylam's not here, so I can do what I want. And so, I'm not blind, you're blind. And so, let's just jump straight into the passage. If you have a Bible, grab it, John 9, verse 1. This is talking about Jesus. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so right from the beginning, we see Jesus, he sees this blind man and he goes towards him. The blind man didn't come to Jesus for healing. The blind man didn't see Jesus, obviously, but Jesus goes to him. And then his disciples ask him this question about sin and suffering. They say, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? And so there's this old Jewish thought that your suffering in your life was directly related to your sin. So for this man to be born blind, he must have done something bad or his parents done something bad. And so if you had any kind of ailment back in the day, or maybe even your crops died, it was because of some sin in your life. And so they asked this question, okay, well, who was the sin? Was it his parents or was it his that he was born blind? And if you really kind of think about the question, how could it be his because he was born blind? And so that leads to this idea that some of them had that you could actually sin in your mother's womb. And so we don't have the time to go into prenatal sinning this morning. But this was the idea. The idea was that somebody sinned, right? Someone had to have sinned to lead to this man's blindness. And they asked Jesus, and then Jesus responds with this. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. 
Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, Jesus does what he does best. He takes their question, just flips it on the head. Because the disciples, they wanted to know why. Like, why was this happening? What was the cause of this man's suffering? And Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. As much as you want to know the why, the question you should be asking is, what for? What is the purpose behind this man's suffering? And, And Jesus says, it's that the works of God might be displayed in him. For every single one of us sitting here this morning, we are all united by the same truth that we face suffering and pain in this world. Whether you believe in Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus, whether you're Christian or not, we're all united by this fact we're going to face suffering. We have to wrestle with these questions. And in this moment, the disciples are pointing their question at the man's character. They're saying, hey, was it his sin or was it his parents' sin that caused the suffering? But when me and you wrestle with suffering and pain, we point our questions to God's character, don't we? We say, God, if you were good, right? If you were actually good, why would you allow this to happen to me? Or if you were all powerful, why couldn't you stop this sin and this suffering and pain in my life? But it's the same question. We just want to know why. What's the cause? Why would God allow this? And as we read this, Jesus is trying to change our perspective away from the why. Because as much as we ask the why, we want to know the why. The truth is, most of the time, we will never know why. Because we don't see the big picture. But what we can do is trust in a God who does see all, who is above all, who knows all. And in this, he is inviting us in to put faith and trust in him. That he is above all of our sin and suffering. And so for a Christian, our our suffering is never in vain. It is never pointless. And in every situation, always, God is using it for our good and his glory. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, you need to change your perspective of suffering. Whilst you want to know the why, you want to know the cause of this suffering, you need to ask, what is the purpose? So for the disciples, this man was just a theological riddle that that they wanted to solve, right? They didn't see the man. They just saw his blindness and they wanted to know why. But for Jesus, he saw the man and he moves in, in grace and mercy. And so we pick it up in verse 6. Having said these things, he, this is Jesus, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Okay, so let's just picture this from the blind man's perspective. We're going to call him Barry, just to make it a bit more personal. So blind Barry is sitting there on the side of the road, and he's begging like he normally does. And then he hears these, these guys talking about him in a distance, right? Oh, who's, who's, is it because he sinned or is it because his parents sinned? Which is probably just common for Barry. He sits there every day, he's blind. People would talk about him all the time, never talk to him. But then he hears one of them say, actually, it's because the works of God might be displayed in him. And then footsteps towards him. Could you imagine in that moment, the anticipation going through Barry's head? Like what's going to happen here? As these footsteps get closer and closer and closer, wait, he just said that the works of God might be displayed in me. And right in that moment, when those footsteps are in front of him, he hears this. <laughs> on the ground, right? Like, like, and what is he thinking right then? Like, oh, great. This again, right? And then it gets weirder because then the person who just spit is just playing in the ground in front of him making mud, probably spitting more because I don't know how much spit it takes to make mud from dirt, but I'm guessing it's quite a lot. 
And so as this person keeps spitting and making mud in his eyes, Barry's thinking, what? How can this get any worse? And then bam, mud and saliva in his eyes. And in that moment, you're just like, you just got to feel for Barry. Like, he's probably thinking, how can my life get any worse than this? And then Jesus speaks to him for the first time and says, go and wash. And so some commentators see this go and wash as an invitation for Barry to be obedient. That Jesus has moved towards him. That he has done what it needs to be done. And then for Barry to actually see he needs to go and wash. So there's this invitation that Barry needs to respond in obedience, right? This is what the commentators think, most of them, right? But I tend to disagree. Because if I was the blind man and someone just spat in my face and rubbed mud and then said, go and wash, my response would be like, yeah, obviously. You just put mud in my eyes. I'm not just going to stand here with mud and spit in my eyes. Like, it doesn't take a lot of obedience and faith, if you ask me. And so Barry goes to the water to wash. And as he's washing us off, he's probably thinking, man, this day couldn't get any worse. And then for the first time ever, he sees his hands. And he sees the water dripping through his hands. And he looks up and he sees the horizon. And then he sees the sky. And for the first time in Barry's life, he sees light. What an amazing story. That the light of the world has just given this man the ability to see light. And then as we continue for the rest of John chapter 9, what we see is actually three interrogations of people who have seen Barry and just want to know what the heck just happened. How can this man see and who is this guy named Jesus? And so let's just walk through these interrogations. The first is from the neighbours. It says the neighbours in verse 8, and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man that used to sit and beg? And some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. And so they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man named Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And I said, I don't know. And so in this moment, the neighbors are coming. They're saying, is this the guy that used to sit and beg? And the other one's like, no, no, that's not him. And he said, yeah, it is him. He's like, no, no, he might have a twin. It kind of looks like him, but I don't think it's him. And Barry's there like, hello, I'm right here. It's me. And what's crazy is the neighbors still didn't see Barry. They couldn't see him. They were just talking as if he wasn't there. And as we read this chapter, we're going to see over and over again this question that John's trying to bring out. Who's really blind here? Like who is actually blind and who can actually see? And they say, well, what happened? And Barry said, this man named Jesus. And one of the coolest things about John 9 that I love is we get to see the eyes of Barry continue to be opened in understanding who Jesus is. And so in this moment, he is the man named Jesus. That's all Barry knows. He's the man named, the man named Jesus opened my eyes. But these neighbors, they don't really know what to take. And so they bring him to the Pharisees just to be like, hey, this just happened and I'm confused. And so we keep reading on to the next interrogation. We pick up in, in verse 14. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Classic Jesus working on the Sabbath. And so the Pharisees again, uh, Pharisees again asked him, how did you receive his sight? And he said to them, he put mud in my eyes and I washed and I see. 
And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can the man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division amongst them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. Now again, the Pharisees, they come to him. They're saying, what has just happened? How can you see? He said, hey, I was blind, literally, and this guy put mud in my eyes and now I see. Like, how crazy is that? And the Pharisees' response, yeah, it was on a Sabbath. Yeah, this guy must be a sinner. This Jesus guy must be a sinner. Like, are you serious? Like, the Pharisees were so blinded by their rules on rules on rules that they couldn't see what just happened right in front of them. That this man had just received sight. And yet, they were caught up with arguing about these rules that they had made. But what I love again is we see Barry come to more understanding of who he is. Because he was just the man named Jesus, but now Barry's starting to understand, actually, he is a prophet. And so for Barry, that was probably the, the highest level of spiritual authority he knew of. Back in the Old Testament, it's the prophets who, who walked the way Jesus wanted them to walk and, and spoke God's word to his nation. And so, so he's like, yeah, well, he must be a prophet. And yet the, the Pharisees, they, they still, they didn't really believe him. And so I love this part. They, um, they bring his, his parents in. And so we get to verse 18. And so the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you said was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. And I love this, that he's kind of, they brought the parents in, like, we can't figure this out. Bring the parents in. And if we keep reading on, we see that the parents are actually afraid of the Pharisees and the Jews because they made this rule that if anyone was to say that Jesus was the Christ, that they would be cast out of the synagogue. And so in this moment, they're appealing to his parents. His parents are saying, yeah, no, that's our child. He was blind and, and yeah, now we can all obviously see that he can see. But ask him, ask him, like, we don't want anything to do with this because we don't want to be excommunicated. And so they kind of threw their son under the bus and you're just thinking, well, thanks, mom and dad. Thanks for the help. Like this whole time, this man has been met with nothing but interrogation and questioning. Like how does he feel in this moment? Like poor Barry, his life has just been changed forever. And it's just people arguing with him, questioning whether he's actually telling the truth. And you just got to think like, I wonder what Barry's feeling in this moment. He's getting so frustrated and this next part, I, I love, because we, we get to see that kind of frustration come out of him. It becomes a little bit witty, a little bit sassy, if you ask me. And so we read. And so for the second time, they called the man who has been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And so what they're saying to Barry in that moment, they're saying, hey, tell us the truth. Tell us that it was actually God who opened your eyes and not this man who is a sinner. And then Barry comes back with one of the best one-liners, I think, in the entire Bible. He says this, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. 
But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Hey, I don't know if he was a sinner. But what I do know is moments ago, I was blind and now I can see. I couldn't see a single thing and now I can see light and life. I can see everything around me and people. Like what power in that testimony. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't know all the answers to the questions they had. But what he did know is that God had transformed his life. See, church, we don't have to have all the answers all the time. We don't need to have all the answers to all the questions. Because we do have this testimony, that we were blind and Jesus gave us sight to see, that we were dead and he made us alive in Christ. See, there's power in our testimony. As we go and preach the gospel to those, as we share our story of our, a life transformed by Jesus in word, but also in action, the visible change of people's lives, the power of our testimony. And this is what Barry's saying. Hey, I was blind and now I see. But they, st- they still don't believe him, right? Because they say to him again, well, what did he do? What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And like, they've asked Barry this right before. Like, he's already said this three times already. And Barry answers, and I love this. This is where you see he's getting really frustrated. And uh, just, he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples? Like, I love that. Like, that's awesome, Barry. Yeah, you get him. And they're obviously going to be offended by that. And so they reviled him saying, you are his disciples, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that this, that this God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. They're offended. They did not like that. But Barry doesn't care. He's laying it all out. Because he's suddenly say, hey, I, maybe these guys are blind. They said, we don't know who this guy is, but we know who Moses is, right? And Barry is not done. Verse 30. And then the man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. Yeah, you don't know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin and we're trying to teach us, and they cast him out. Barry just gets to the point where he's just like, hello, like you don't know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. And we both know that never since the world began has anybody opened the eyes of a man born blind. He just lays it out for him. He's like, how can you not see who this guy is? How are you so blinded to what's in front of you that you cannot see who Jesus is? And they were so angry that they cast him out because they knew in that moment, yeah, never have they ever heard of anyone opening the eyes of a man born blind. Why? Because that miracle was reserved for the Lord and the Lord alone. In Psalm 146 verse 8, it says, The Lord is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. It's God alone who has the right to that miracle. And so they are so angry because they know if Barry is telling the truth here, that it was Jesus, then yeah, he is from God. 
See, the Jews and the Pharisees, they expected a Messiah. But they really didn't want it to be anything like Jesus. They expected someone to come in force and in power. And yet Jesus just walked in humility. He was lowly in spirit. And so they did not want, they knew everything about the Messiah and yet they missed the Messiah. They couldn't see the Messiah. Church, I don't want to be a people who get so caught up in arguing theology, so caught up in wrestling with this word that we never apply it to our own hearts. So caught up in arguing about our ideas about Jesus that we never see and meet Jesus, that we never show people Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting down theology. I'm not putting down a deep wrestle and honest pursuit of biblical truths. In fact, I would champion that on to the nth degree. I think that is amazing. And that's how we grow in spiritual maturity and become more like Jesus. But if our theology doesn't lead us to love, if our pursuit of knowledge does not lead us to sacrifice and serve those around us, then we have missed the point. We might know all there is, but if we don't have love, then we have nothing. I don't want to be like the Pharisees. They just want to argue about things that never move to action. I want to be like Jesus, who sees people who they really are and moves in love and mercy and compassion. So we, we don't see it all. We don't have the big picture, but, but God does. I don't know when it's God's will for someone to be healed and when it's not. But what I do know is, hey, I'm going to pray every single opportunity I get for healing because I know God is able to heal. And so we just need to trust and have faith in the one that is above all. That's, we, can, we can trust Jesus. So church, let's continue to be people that are moved in compassion and love and not caught up in rules upon rules. And then I love this. They've just cast Barry out. Verse 35, And Jesus heard they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Again, Jesus comes to the man. He heard that he was cast out and Jesus comes to him. I love this about our Savior. Like Rose was saying, the king above all goes after the one, draws near to the lost and the outcast. I love that about Jesus, that his heart is for those who are lost to bring them in. And so the greatest miracle was not that God opened his eyes physically. The greatest miracle in this moment is that Jesus opened his eyes spiritually. Because as we see the whole time, his progression of understanding of who Jesus is. First, he was the man named Jesus. Then he was the prophet named Jesus. And now he is the Lord. He says, Lord, I believe. As Jesus opens his eyes to see who he really is. See, when Jesus opened his eyes physically, this, this man received livelihood. He could finally get a job and go do things. He could have relationships with people because he could see people around him. He got dignity and worth in the community. And that compared nothing to what happened when Jesus opened his eyes spiritually. He doesn't receive livelihood. He receives life, an everlasting life. Not just relationships, but adoption into the family of God. He doesn't receive dignity and worth, but all the riches and blessings in Christ Jesus.
And that's our story this morning for those who place their trust in Jesus. That is what we have received because Jesus has opened our eyes spiritually to see who he is. So if you're a Christian this morning, I'll encourage you. Keep following Jesus. Keep trusting in Jesus. We are going to face situations that are struggles in our lives, that we don't have all the answers around. And I'll encourage you, lean into Christ. Trust him because he does see all. He does know all. And he is faithful to us. He has proven that on the cross as he died for our sins. He has made a way for us, again, initiating, coming down from heaven so that we might eventually be with him in eternity. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, I don't want you to think I'm saying that you're blind to all truth. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what this passage does teach us is how we see Jesus matters. How we see Jesus matters. What we think about Jesus matters. So I want to encourage you this morning. Talk to Jesus. Ask him to open your eyes to see who he is. Turn to Jesus. Turn to him in those situations of struggles and suffering. And then trust him. Trust him with your whole life. Because he knows best. And he's doing all things for your good and his glory. And then I love this. As Barry finally sees Jesus for who he is, the truth of the gospel, it says he worshipped him. He worshipped him. Our response as children of God have been transformed by the gospel. We've encountered the spirit of God. The only thing we can do is worship. Is worship our creator. Is worship our saviour because he alone deserves praise and worship. See, the Pharisees cast Barry out. They said, you can't worship here anymore. And Jesus found him and said, hey, that's totally fine because here is where true worship is. Come home. And so for us this morning, as we sing again, as we go out into our weeks, let's worship Jesus with all we are and all we have. Let's sing praises to his name. Let's love those around us and pointing them to the light of the world. The one who shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's our king. That's our savior. That's Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.